0: all right so hey for the first time on his show josh mcquiston i hope i nailed that right from uh sooner scoop i worked hard to get that too i don't know why i i, I always say schooner when i say scoop i don't know why so i apologize for that josh try, still trying to get used to to oklahoma and the sec thank you so much for joining the show
1: uh, you know, glad to be here, Mike. Uh, I have watched your show before. So excited to kind of join you here, man. And like we were talking about, it's a whole new world where we, you know, that I am covering a school that has SEC connections and is directly part of the conference. That is that is going to get take a while to get used to.
0: Yeah, and you guys do a heck of a job, uh, part of the On3 Network. You got many YouTube shows. I love watching Eddie Redatovich, George Storia. Those are the guys that have kind of like introduced me to, uh, you know, all the drama there in Norman. So I can't recommend that enough. But, uh, you know, obviously I got to ask you, life in the SEC. I know know it's not official official, but we have kind of opened our arms to Oklahoma and Texas over the last 12 months. How does it feel to leave that – you know, lower level pro, uh, uh, conference and, and come play with the big boys.
1: Well, it it is, it's one of those things where, you know, and I feel like I've, there was that whole excitement period for OU fans, like going to play in the sec and it's no more Iowa state in late October. It's going to be, you know, Tennessee on the road, you know, like all these things that they're super excited about. And for good reason, But at the same time, there's a part of me that's like, guys, they're returning a lot on this team. That defense should be in pretty good shape. Got some talent coming back on offense, although there's some rebuild there. But this is, I mean, without some changes, this is a team that's going to have to fight to get to the areas you're used to playing in. So that is, I I think you kind of have that grace period where it's just fun and exciting. And now as you start to look at it and you start matching up rosters, you're like, oh, okay, this, this is real. This is when it happens.
0: Hiring Brent Venables and all his success at Clemson, we're all well, well aware of that. We've already seen a, a big turnaround uh, at Oklahoma. Not that the, you know, the program needed turnaround, but in today's college football, when a coach leaves, star players leave, so there, there was work to be done. But clearly, year, year one, year two, massive step forward. Uh, what's the confidence level that the Sooner fan base has that Brent Venables is the right guy to get Oklahoma ready, particularly in the trenches? For uh, life in the SEC,
1: I think there is still quite a bit of confidence. I, I think his his voter rating or whatever you'd like to call it, I think it's still pretty high. Th- there's still a lot of belief in him. Um, he's one of those guys that does a great job connecting with the fans. They get what he's saying. They, you know, he really kind of talks to them with them, not really at them. You know, it, it's it's just a very he's got a, a way about him that I think is is very endearing to fans and they and you know how that is guys like that always get a little more leniency they're a little easier to um accept that you know obviously the first year was just not at all what anybody wanted or expected at Oklahoma so having this year to show okay this is headed in the right direction they they definitely made some improvements I, I think that bought some uh, some leniency some consideration but again you know, you look at the schedule next year where, and I know we'll get into it, but it is a brutal schedule for what, you know, uh, 10 years ago, somebody might look at that and say, oh, that's not that bad. You know, for the SEC, that, that's okay. That That's a pretty, pretty manageable thing, but you're playing a lot of teams that are going to be kind of at their high tide. And so you just kind of wonder, how does that, how, how does Oklahoma navigate that?
0: Right. And I can tell you, Josh, being a Tennessee grad, speaking to a lot of Tennessee fans, I mean... Short of Tennessee, there was probably no one they were rooting harder for last year than uh, Brent Venables at Oklahoma because they they're all so fearful that Josh Heupel uh, <laughs> could leave and be the next Oklahoma coach. Mm-hmm. And, and I I realize there's a there's a big backstory to all that, but yeah. uh, would would that ever happen? I mean, could could that ever be mended to the point to where you know, let's say Venables does a great job, whatever it goes to the NFL. You know, best case scenario, I, th- I would mm-hmm. think for Oklahoma, Fed. would they would they even consider? Josh Heupel, can you can you soothe the minds of Tennessee fans here or or do, is that even realistic?
1: I honestly, I don't I've never had the impression that anybody at Oklahoma was upset with Josh Heupel. Like I I don't I I know it ended badly and Oklahoma kind of parted ways, but I, it was never about Josh Heupel being disliked or having, you know, he's still revered. I mean, you know, he was the quarterback of Oklahoma's last national title team. Like that That carries so much weight and really was a guy that they were in such sorry shape when he arrived in 99, along with Bob Stoops, that that kind of marriage of things, I mean, when he was hired as Oklahoma's offensive coordinator, everyone assumed he would be the heir apparent to Bob Stoops. He would eventually take over and be that guy. And then a few years later, he's gone. Lincoln Riley takes over, and he is actually the man who replaces uh, Bob Stoops. So I, I don't think from Oklahoma side it would be any issue. Um, I will say from the hypo side, it seems like things have cooled a little bit as far as I thought there were a lot of tensions for a while, but I, I know he showed up at um, Roy Williams's uh, College Football Hall of Fame ceremony. Uh, I think a couple summers ago, and that was that was kind of a sign of okay, may- maybe we're letting this go. And he and Bob Stoops had a talk from everything I've gathered, and it seemed like okay, th- th- this is this is not going to be the ugly thing that it might have become. But at the same time, Josh Heupel, I mean, w- what? What's he got to be unhappy about at Tennessee? I mean, it sure seems like everything's going well for him right now there.
0: Right. And again, we'll talk about it here in a second. But, of course, they're they're meeting this year, so that, that's going to be fascinating to see. But I, I wanted to ask you about the current Oklahoma team. Uh, a lot of success with Jeff Levy on offense. And I and I thought, interestingly enough, they kind of reminded me a little bit of Tennessee t- uh, two seasons ago when they won 11 games. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a lot, a lot of the, the same offensive system with uh, Dylan Gabriel now off to Oregon, Jeff Levy, of course, at Mississippi State. Seth Luttrell is going to be the offensive coordinator. What are, what's the anticipation, or maybe it's even too early until we see spring football, but what's the anticipation of what this Oklahoma offense looks like next season?
1: You know, it's going to be different. Obviously, Luttrell is a Mike Leach guy, grew up in the spread, you know, those kind of things. And for those that don't know, you know, we just coming off talking about Josh Heupel. Seth Luttrell was Josh Heupel's fullback in Oklahoma in 2000. So there's a a lot of connectivity with the current roster and that 2000 team. There are, you know, a lot of uh, Brent Venables has brought a lot of ex-players around. So there's a lot more continuity than maybe there had been in the Lincoln-Riley regime or, you know, kind of as the years went on and he made his own changes um but with Luttrell uh, again I don't think you're going to see them reinvent the wheel I, you're not going to see all the RPO that's going to change a lot like you mentioned that's very familiar to Tennessee fans and a lot of SEC fans with with the proliferation of that you know that that's been such a kind of game-changing thing I don't think you're going to see that as much and I think at times especially maybe in that bowl game you saw where that can be difficult for a young quarterback because Arizona was kind of dictating numbers and they were saying, okay, Jackson, we're going to show you the numbers where you've got to throw and then we're going to drop out or we're going to, you know, they, they did a lot of stuff to confuse a young guy. And I think they're going to try to remove some of that, get back to some of the blocking schemes that they, they had a lot of success with, with Lincoln Riley, a lot of the uh, zone scheme type stuff. I think you'll see that kind of reemerge, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry. Uh, more gap scheme, um, Zone is what they did a lot of under Jeff Levy. I I thought they struggled with it at times, to be frank. Um, So I think you'll see some changeover in schematic ideas. But, I mean, to someone just watching a football game and maybe doesn't get that deep into the weeds, it's going to look fairly similar. They're going to attack vertically. They're going to expect to make big plays. I mean, there's plenty still there that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Uh, And and then I really wanted to ask you about Jackson Arnold, who Mm – yeah, he looked like a freshman. I thought in the bowl game, uh, a lot of turnovers. But after a, a very shaky start, you know, for maybe the second, third quarter, he looked incredible. Uh, so, but I think that kind of comes with the territory when you're in your first start, you're a true freshman. So that's that's not a, certainly not a slight. You you see the massive potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what is the expectations for him next season? And uh, I love tracking uh, trafficking in these rumors. Josh. And, and I'm getting it from East Texas. even Texas is, it's Texas people that are coming, which will probably tell you that there's nothing really there, but Oh, Jackson Arnold, he's upset or, or his, his camp, Mm. what have you, there's no offensive line. He's going to Southern Cal. Um, can you get into all that? Is, is that all just BS? Yeah.
1: He's a kid, um, that we've got, you know, obviously I, I, do a lot of recruiting for the site and we, you know, covered him since he was in high school. I don't, you know, talking to him, you know, not so much him, but his family, those kind of things. I sure don't see, I I, I don't see that as in the cards. I think he's very happy, has a lot of love for Brent Venables. He was a kid that watched OU, you know, was a five-star quarterback, was the elite 11 MVP and watched OU go through that horrid 2022 season. He never wavered. He never acted like he was unsure about it. He's been very steadfast with Oklahoma so in that regard I don't see anything there now as far as him as a player it's really interesting and I I hate to keep pivoting back you told me you were a a Tennessee alum so like there is you you watch him and you watch Nico and you just watch how different those two offenses attack those scenarios now some of it was relative because you knew Arizona was going to score some points with Fafita and McMillan who's just an absolute monster Um, OU was going to have to score some points Tennessee knew, let's take care of the ball, let's not get crazy, and eventually we're going to score a point here or there with Iowa, and Lord knows they're not going to score anything. So (laughs) I I think that was kind of – I mean, let's just be real. (laughs) So, you know, I I think that is um, uh, really an interesting thing because there there are points where you can say, well, Jackson Arnold threw for over 350 yards and had some touchdowns and looked really good. I mean, he had one, and I know a lot of people have talked about it in the OU market, but – He's running to his left, kind of readjusts his body and drops just a feathery, beautiful pass into the back corner of the end zone uh, for an easy touchdown, but it shouldn't have been possible. Like, that's one of those throws where I'm like, if that's Dylan Gabriel, I'm not sure he can make that throw. Like, there's just a lot there that you like. You saw some flashes of potential, but there's no question... You could see the freshman stuff he's a little late on some of his decisions he's not quite as quick seeing things or Arizona tricked him a couple of times kind of showed him a look maybe he hadn't seen before and I think that was that that's just natural like I, you have to understand that but again answering the way he did after a really horrible start I think it says a lot about the kid what what he's about what he's made of and I think that's something Oklahoma can really really take some solace in, even though that game didn't go the way they wanted it to, they kind of learned about their young quarterback.
0: Mm-hmm. And you mentioned you cover some recruiting. So uh, I got to ask you with that SEC patch on, I'm seeing they're already taking the, the photos with the SEC logo. I don't even know if that's legal for them to do, but they're doing it. And Hey, I don't blame them for doing it, but have, have you already started to see an impact? Not that Oklahoma needed help recruiting, but mm-hmm. just signed a top 10 class. And I think A&M is a perfect example Uh, not that they've had the success to follow it, but they, they've been wildly successful, obviously in recruiting and and Texas is, is also trying to take advantage of it. Do you think just being associated with the SEC, have you seen signs that it's going to help Oklahoma on the recruiting trail?
1: I think with both Oklahoma and Texas, you can see it where Oklahoma and, you know, both schools have, you know, always recruited well, there's no question. They're always at least around the top 10, if not within it, you know, um, but I would say over the last ten years, you had seen a dip in what those two schools could land up front. Whether it was offensive line, defensive line, they weren't landing the same caliber of guys that we were seeing go to Alabama, Georgia, those kind of programs. And some of that's proximity, but some of that is, you know, I, I talked to a kid off the record and tell me, you know, what, what was the deal here? I want to play against the best, and I know the best offensive lineman, the best defensive lineman, they're in the SEC. I want to go play against those guys. Okay, fair enough. You know that 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 is what it is. And now, you know, you look at Oklahoma this year, had, you know, roughly three top 100 defensive linemen in their class, including five star David Stone. They haven't done that kind of thing in 15 years. Like Gerald McCoy was the last five star defensive lineman Oklahoma signed, and Gerald McCoy retired from the NFL a couple of years ago. So, you know, that (laughs) kind of puts it in perspective what we're talking about here. So, um, yeah, I I think it's huge for Oklahoma. I don't think there's any doubt. Uh, Brent Venables. You know, it's one of those things where you talk about, okay, he wasn't in the SEC, but he was at Clemson. They run like an SEC school. Everybody understands. They're recruiting in SEC territory. So there's a lot of things that he he just knows. He knows how that works, and he knows that all of it's great. You can have a great quarterback and running backs and receivers and all that sort of stuff. If you can't win up front, you're going to end up in the same situation you has in the, their multiple playoff trips. And the one year where they really could match up up front was the 2017 team when they went to that war with Georgia in the Rose Bowl. And it was just, you know, their defense was terrible. <laughs> uh, so, you know, but offensively, they had a bunch of NFL guys on their offensive line and and they really slowed Georgia down up front. So that is, they, they know what the reality is. Um, and I do think it's definitely helped. I mean, he he's had some outstanding classes so far. And it's just about continuing to build because that's the thing I keep telling OU fans, that one or two classes is great. Georgia's got four of them. So you you got to just keep stacking and stacking and stacking. And that's how you start to get into that area where if you lose your one elite pass rusher, you've got another guy that can come in and at least play well for you.
0: Right. And so naturally, what what is the level of concern on the offensive line going ahead with, uh, you know, having to replace several starters? And We all know the Caden Green situation, Mazoo'. Probably could have handled that a lot better, I I would have imagined. Uh, But Mizzou's doing cartwheels and and throwing a parade. They got him. Uh, But now going into this uh, much more difficult league, particularly on the line of scrimmage, what's what's the confidence or or, or concern level on that offensive line?
1: Yeah, that's a a huge problem for Oklahoma. And I think if you look at that roster, it's the one spot where I say, I really don't know how that's going to go now. The thing I'll say, I think Bill Biedenbow, the offensive line coach, is one of the best in the country. And I, I you know, they won the Joe Moore Award in 2018, uh, have consistently put out NFL draft picks, you know, that that's that's been the issue. But what Oklahoma has run into now, and to kind of tie back into recruiting again, in in Lincoln Riley's final two classes, 2021 and then 2022, was, you know, Britt Venable's on the job for about three weeks before that group signed. So I mean, you can pretty much say that's a Riley class. They combined in those two classes to sign four offensive linemen that's that's not sustainable and it was always going to come back to bite them and that's what you're seeing right now that situation gets exacerbated by losing a caden green who has a chance to be an all-american level player caden Green's going to be an outstanding player at, now at missouri um so I, I i think there is a lot that they had to address now i like some of what they've done in the portal uh spencer brown from michigan state's a good steady player kind of fits in the Walter Rouse mode that Oklahoma signed last year, came in, really entrenched himself at left tackle, was one of the few guys from the season-long starting lineup who actually played in the bowl game. So that was big for OU uh, to have him. I, spent, I think Spencer Brown will plug in at right tackle. Jacob Sexton's a guy that's played a lot. He'll probably be their starting left tackle. Inside, I mean, there's a lot of questions. Um, I think the one that Oklahoma's pretty excited about as far as the portal guys they've landed is is Fubetchi Noweu? He's a, a guy they get landed from North Texas. Actually, played for Seth Luttrell when he was still the head coach at North Texas. They think he's going to be a really good one. There's a lot of excitement talking to people at North Texas. They thought that was a really good. You know, I mean, even even if whatever bitterness they may have, there was definitely a. He's really good. Oh, you did well to get him. So, um, I I think there's room for optimism. The problem with Oklahoma is I think they can get to where they have a good starting five. It's at least. You know, middle of the league in the SEC, not special, not a great group, but they can be solid if they have any injuries. Their numbers are really, really concerning. It's because a, a lot of their depth, a lot of their backups, are going to be either redshirt freshmen or true freshmen, and none of them have played any meaningful football.
0: Mm-hmm. And now, how about uh, switching to the defensive side of the ball? Ted Roof out, Zach Alley, younger guy who, who I believe he played or played or coached with Venables at Clemson. Thoughts on that decision, and uh, you know, is is this? What's your confidence level that this is going to be an upgrade? Uh,
1: It's pretty considerable. And I want to say, from everything we've gathered, and Zach Alley was a name when Brent was hired. You heard he was a possibility for defensive coordinator job, but he was only 27 years old. hadn't I think he'd spent one year at ULM at that point. So there wasn't a lot of track record to say, oh yeah, he deserved this kind of step forward. Uh Ted Roof, I, I never loved the track record. I know everybody will tell, oh, he won a national title Auburn. We know who won the national title Auburn. He's playing quarterback. <laughs> like let's let's just be real about that. Uh so you know, like and, and again, Ted Roof's an incredibly nice guy. Like, I, I don't mean to bag on him at all, but it just I I I didn't think he was the right guy. And I think the biggest move that I like about this is not only that I think Zach Alley's a talented young coach, um, at the same time, and I should note, Zach Alley hasn't even officially been announced yet. We all just kind of know it's happening. Like it's he has been spotted around Norman. Like we we we, we have heard plenty of indication that he has been around the facilities, but for some reason it hasn't been announced yet. So I, I don't know what to make of that, but I, I don't think it's any issue. Um what I will say is what I like and what we've heard is a big part of this is Brent Venables kind of acknowledging I've got to hand this defense off to someone I trust, someone I think is going to do a good job with it, knows what I want to do, can implement my thoughts, my methodology, much in the same way that we've seen Kirby Smart do at Georgia, the same way Nick Saban did for years at Alabama. It's not that he's not going to be involved. We know he is. But he wants to hand it off so that he can be the guy, you know, watching the offense. Okay, I like that call. I don't like that call. Like I, I think at times last year, he got stuck being the offensive, excuse me, the defensive coordinator and really wasn't as engaged as he needed to be sometimes in some of those late situations. Against Oklahoma State, I thought it bit him a little bit. Against Kansas, I thought it bit him a little bit. And so I think he kind of said, okay, the the change has got to happen here. And I don't think he wanted to hand the reins to Ted Roof. He wanted to hand it to Zach Allen.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I, I know we're running short on time here, Josh, but I just wanted to ask you real quick, SEC, I mean, this is going to be so much fun. Uh, teams going yeah. to Norman and Oklahoma going to the SEC. I'm going to run down their, just their SEC slate real quick. Tennessee at home, at Auburn, uh, Texas, of course, that's a neutral site, yeah. uh, South Carolina at home, at Ole Miss, at Mizzou. Alabama at home, that's gonna be great. And at LSU, is there one game, and, and let's let's move aside from Texas, because that's we all know how big that is to Oklahoma fans. Is there an SEC game that that Oklahoma fans, more than any other that you're hearing from are, are excited about?
1: I would say the the i I'd say there are two that kind of jump out. Tennessee, obviously. We kind of talked about it earlier. The Josh Heipel returning, leading the program, obviously a a really good one. And I mean, Mike. There's going to be some hype over the whole Jackson Nico thing. Like, people are going to get excited about two young, really talented quarterbacks. Uh, you know, facing off that—that's a storyline that people want to write about. So, I think that's one for sure. But the Missouri situation. Missouri has has, <laughs> I, and I joked about this with Brayden Gall, who you know, obviously, I know you know. But there was, there was talk when everybody was working on the schedule, like, oh, Missouri's going to, um, you know, there this is they've got to play Oklahoma that's an old big 12 big eight rivalry and I and I said I think I tweeted it out several times I said this is not a rivalry like oh I mean it's it's the rivalry in the way your little brothers are rival. like no like and that's no shot at Missouri Oklahoma's just they ran the big eight for decades and Missouri was a good program that you know got to a bowl from time to time like it wasn't they weren't playing the same sport and then you've watched over the last couple of years where Oklahoma, you know, had a commitment from Luther Burden, Missouri flipped him away. You know, you, you got the Caden green situation, uh, Williams were the number one player in the country that a lot of people thought Oklahoma was going to land. Missouri keeps him home. So there is, it's kind of become a battleground state for Oklahoma and Missouri. And I think that is, that is one that people are going to be very excited for in Norman. There's no doubt about it.
0: And can you give us any tips on dealing with Texas fans? Because they're they're already they're passionate. That's the nicest way I could say it. They're Mm -hmm. they're very passionate.
1: It is well, and again, it's so interesting that this is happening when it is like Texas finally finds their feet. Man, they're they're ready to go again and look like another really good team next year for Steve Sarkisian. But I mean, uh, the thing I would say is most Texas fans, like they'll talk their talk and that's fine, but you give it back to them. They're fine. Like most of them don't get too sore about it. It's the ones, but I mean, should you be a Tennessee fan that throws a horns down or a Georgia fan? and they get upset, those aren't your people anyway. Don't worry about those people. (laughs) You don't want to hang out with them. You don't have a beer with them anyway. So I think that's what I would suggest. There are plenty of good-natured Texas fans that can have some fun with you. But, you know, use the horns down as an elimination process. You can get rid of the ones you don't want to be with anyway.
0: Yeah. Before you go, Josh, can you tell my audience how can they follow you and uh, what you guys got going on over at uh, Sooner Scoop? I know you just launched a a new YouTube show that I'm very excited to check out.
1: Yeah, yeah, we, we um, actually did called family business. It's uh, Isaac Stoops. That name is not coincidental. And uh, Joe Castiglione Jr., who if the people don't know that name, that is Oklahoma's athletic director's uh, son and namesake. So uh, we are doing a show with them. They're going to talk about all sorts of stuff, but we also have, you know, all multiple times a week our guys you mentioned eddie radosovich and george stoia breaking down practices uh we've got hoop stuff and so we do a lot on you just youtube uh sooner scoop i mean or i guess slash sooner scoop so very easy to find us and then myself i'm just at josh underscore scoop super easy to find on twitter um and yeah you know we are we continue to grow we've got offices in norman where we are shooting endless video there's a reason i was ready for mike because we do a ton of video on our own right in our own right so um yeah the, we are easy to find and i again i i can't wait to mix it up with a bunch of sec fans that's going to be a lot of fun
0: yeah and what a studio you guys got it's it's the complete opposite of my mom's basement here that i got you know what
1: <laughs> well that's pretty much what i work from <laughs> I, I i live in a different location so i don't get to take advantage of all those nice offices we have
0: all right thank you so much josh